Welcoming in to Train Perspectives. This is John Norris, and as always, our co-host... Sam Clement. Fantastic. And uh, Sam, we had some pretty good feedback over the last couple of weeks. And this week, I think we decided to go back to maybe something a little bit more global, a little worldly, if you think. Sure, a little and, more worldly. <laughs> well, I mean, almost by definition, because the topic this week is... Drum roll. Drum roll, please. Drum roll. You're going to be talking about Brexit. Oh, wow. Breakfast. <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> I always want to say that whenever I'm talking about Brexit. What are you having for Brexit this morning? Uh, you know, Sam, did you have any sugary breakfast cereal for, for Brexit this morning? I did not. What about yourself? <laughs> did not. No, not, not at all. After we talked about all those syntaxes and sugary sodas and what have you, I'm trying to keep sugar out of my diet. Sway your opinions a little bit? Uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. It was good work well, on like your part on job that. was done. Job well done. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of Brexit, I think you would have had to been living in a cave or maybe at the top the, maybe one of the peaks in the Himalayas to not know a little bit about the United Kingdom voting in a referendum some time ago to start the process to get out of the European Union and the world has been all agog and a flutter and hands have been wrong and teeth have been gnashed and here we are what about six months away from uh, from yeah. drop dead March and, and March yeah and we still don't know exactly what it all brings Sam what are your thoughts so really, when they had the referendum and they had the vote, and I think it was about 51%, which is really a little close, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, That's a little too close for and my comfort for really leaving. <laughs> that's a pretty big decision to leave up thing to is, 1%. It was very geographically uh, diverse as yeah. well. I mean, apparently, Scotland and North, Northern Ireland, I think even Wales, yeah, they all, uh, they all voted to stay in, whereas England, particularly around the city and in, in the south, I believe it was pretty much, I mean, pretty... Pretty much for getting out, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and no, you're uh, spot on. So you know, certainly the the Scots have uh, you know they voted against independence, and then all of a sudden here they are. They voted to stay in the EU and the remainder of the country, or at least the English decided to get out of it. And that's it's not just the economic uncertainty; it's also caused some. I don't know, societal discord a little bit in Definitely. the United Kingdom as well. So what else uh, is on your mind about it? So really, um, getting back to my original uh, point, they have— Before I so rudely yeah. interrupted, I think. I wouldn't call it rude, but— <laughs> So they had the Lisbon Treaty, which gives Britain, gives the U.K. Yeah. two years from the time of the referendum to come up with any sort of agreement um, to kind of make that split go along a little better. Otherwise, when the date comes along, March 29th yeah. next year— yeah. Clean cut. Everything's severed. All ties are severed. There's no little grace period of any of these laws and trade laws. That next day, midnight that night, they're done. Well, what, what, what does that look like? Assuming nothing gets done, what does it, what does it in fact look like? Because that's something that people really haven't completely answered for me, and to my great, to my satisfaction at all, because all of a sudden that does happen, or are the British going to close up their borders, put up a right. wall, you know, I mean, flood the uh, Euro tunnel or the, the channel? Yeah. Uh, are they going to all of a sudden raise tariffs 100% on European goods and vice versa? I don't think that's necessarily going to happen, but yet I guess it's the uncertainty of the worst case scenario happening out there, right. happening out there that's causing people to have the fits, I think. So... Yeah, like you said, to start out, when people are talking about now, if you see the term no deal in relation to the Brexit, some people, I think, think that that means that it's just not going to happen. They're going to remain part of the EU. No, that's done. They're leaving. It's just a matter of how smoothly it goes. So um, Brexit's still going to occur if there's no deal. The big things that kind of would change, um, things like the EU tariffs that they have, I mean, if there's no deal those tariffs for they'd be importing and exporting mm -hmm. as a foreigner 
from the EU. So they well, what exactly does that mean? Because you know, I've looked at this and I can't really exactly tell where the European Union stands on free trade or preferential trade or what have you. Because within Europe itself, or at least NATO, or some definition of, of Europe, uh, they have free trade agreements. If I'm not mistaken, with the Ukrainians, right. the yeah. Turks, the Norwegians, the Icelanders, um, amongst others. Um, and I would I would dare say that the European the the United Kingdom is a more important trading market for the remainder of the EU than say the Ukraine or oh, or even Iceland. I mean, I've been to Iceland. I loved Iceland, but I've, let's face it, it's 400,000 people compared to one of the largest economies in the world. So why would the European Union, and riddle me this, why would the European Union decide to, I don't know, be petulant, uh, cause all sorts of problems, and run up major, major tariffs against its major trade, one of its major trading partners, just to be petulant? And, and, you know, as an American, I feel kind of hypocritical asking that because that's exactly what we're doing right now, or at least someone someone in Washington is doing right now. But it doesn't make any sense to me because when you take a look at the largest economies in continental Europe and therefore the EU for the most part, the United Kingdom is a major export market for these countries. So I would imagine German business people are going to sit there and say, hey, wait a second, Angela, before you do anything stupid, let's think about what's going on here. It's Angela. (laughs) You can, you can call her whatever you want. Uh, I, I'm going to say Angela because, you know, yeah, it's, fair. Uh, it's fair enough. Um, and I would imagine the same could be said in Madrid or in Rome or or, or Paris or, you know, Amsterdam. Even Lisbon. Uh, you mentioned Lisbon, which is very rare to hear, hear the Portuguese capital mentioned very often. But I would imagine even Portuguese don't want to see a major disruption in one of its more major trading ports. Sure. Well, I think just the fear from the no deal comes from the fact that all these companies would kind of be on their own with these trade deals. They would all kind of have to come up with their own I agreement. You. I got you. Um, because yeah, it's yeah. now. Yeah, because I, I just don't see why the European Union would have a different trading, uh, you know, trading rules. Um, unless they punitive. Get, unless they just want to be, I mean, I've used the word petrol, but that's almost, I mean, that's very accurate. Why they would trade differently with the British than they would, say, the Canadians. And the Canadians are still hammering out a free trade agreement with the EU. Yeah. The South Koreans have a free trade agreement with the EU. The South Africans have a free trade agreement well, with the EU. Well, it could be kind of along the same lines as... Uh, what President Trump likes to talk about, like getting a better deal, could <laughs> cause some issues. I guess I guess that could be the case. I guess I've been playing with this in my head over and over again. And if the bureaucrats in Brussels, London, wherever, whatever we're, wherever we're talking, if they just flat out decide that they just can't get a, a political deal done by the end of March, I guess also then we just start negotiating again in terms of just trade deals. I mean, so even if it, even when it happens at the end of March, the worst case scenario is we're still negotiating trade deals. Right. So we're negotiating before March 29th, and then we're negotiating after 20, March Well, 29th? they're just trying to get this preliminary. So what uh, they have, they kind of have okay. the outline right now, and it's a 21-month grace period from yeah, that yeah. March 29th date on. Where they would kind of keep on with all the current um, the current deals they have, the current yeah. immigration laws they have, which is a big one. Um, so they did, so they did the referendum to start the negotiations at the end of March. Uh, the negotiations are over, and then they've got a preliminary deal to. Well, the, the, hey, this seems like bureaucrats have drawn it up, Sam. It sounds like it. <laughs> 
So, so how does it shake out? I mean, ultimately, let's assume we we'll get past sort of maybe some of the dotting lines and crossing of T's and maybe get down to some of the details. What does the world look like without the United Kingdom officially being part of Europe? I mean, That's a good question. I mean, they obviously are probably the leading country for exports for the EU. EU. Well, you I mean, say so, them along with Germany. Yeah, it's certainly, certainly on up there. I would tell you, I am old enough. I, uh, I'm not an ancient man by any stretch of the imagination, or at least my imagination, but I am old enough to remember back before there was a euro and a eurozone and, and what have you. And um, things didn't seem to be falling apart back then. Uh, so now I'm kind of taking a look at this, and I'm, obviously the EU is different than the eurozone, but even so, I remember back before everything was so globalized, and and I just I, I just have a very difficult time thinking that the the world's economy is just going to fall apart. Well, what I about I think one argument is with what's going on with Italy, what's going on with Greece. If you uh-huh. remove one of those companies that's really propping up the uh-huh. EU, yeah, how it would impact not only the EU, not only Britain, but the global economy. Well, I hear you. So maybe people are more concerned about that. More, more. I think people are more concerned about themselves <laughs> and how it'll impact them. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's just a, my, that's just so. If that's what everyone's concerned about, in the fact that the that having the UK leave the EU uh, because they ultimately help prop up some of the weaker Southern European economies, and without the UK, you know, then those weaker Southern European economies all of a sudden go belly up or what have you. Now, let's think about this. If I'm a UK citizen, well, I'm thinking, man, I'm, <laughs> if that's what yeah, that it sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like if if that's why you need me in the EU is to prop up the Italians and the Spaniards and the and the Greeks. Well, I want to get out. Well, I mean, in, why wouldn't in, I vote in for? In Brexit? fact, some of the some of the um, some of the British uh, Parliament they don't want this deal to go through. They don't want the grace period with the EU. They want clean cut, get out of it right away, end all trade ties with them. Now that would be pretty much the more conservative aspects of the of the parliament. I'd say so. I don't. I don't. I don't know how the labor. <laughs> I think it's a UKIP. I think that's what the, yeah. the Independence Party or, or something along those lines. You know, it's an interesting thing. Some of the things obviously trade dominates in terms of the Brexit. What does that look like? But also, I've been reading about what are some of the immigration laws because. Not surprisingly, you have a lot of EU citizens of various countries who work in uh, in the United Kingdom, a lot of them in the city and, yeah. and in London. And if all of a sudden, if Britain is no longer part of the UK, what does that mean for the cross flow of, of workers across, right. across boundaries? Uh, I haven't seen anything to my great satisfaction which deals with this. There was a recent study out that the uh, someone said that uh, the report was a recommendation to to the British government to not treat EU citizens any differently than they would citizens of any other uh, part of the world, uh, which leads the you know leads the question exactly how do the British treat uh, citizens from the rest of the world? And I would imagine that the British will want to develop some sort of immigration policy that is very attractive to skilled labor coming to the country, but right. probably not so much for unskilled, which is kind of what we're dealing with now in our country. Yeah. So I guess it seems like, in a lot of ways, the European, I mean, the United Kingdom will be dealing with the EU and dealing with some of these same problems that we're grappling with here in the United States. So the Brexit, and it comes up in the end of March, gee whiz, maybe there is a special arrangement or agreement or relationship between the Europeans and the English and the fact that we're dealing with the same things at the same time. Right. So how do you feel, how, how, do, you, how do you believe that Brexit will ultimately impact the overall global economy? As you can tell from my comments, Sam, this were, perhaps we're trading perspectives this week. 
I'm not, I don't lose sleep over it. I, I, I just simply don't. I think it's far more of a European issue. I don't think it's necessarily good for in the short term for global economic growth because trade will slow down. But at the same time, I just can't envision a world where this is going to cause Europe to fall apart in and of itself. The UK, no, I, the UK to fall apart in and of itself, and then all of a sudden the global economy to follow suit. Well, no, I don't think, and I'm not saying that I think this will cause a global recession, but you know, if you picture the whole European economy as a house of cards, and you're taking, you're taking, <laughs> what do you say? You're taking one of USA, USA. You're taking one of the big pieces of the bottom away from it. It might not fall right away, but it's definitely a lot weaker than it was beforehand. It takes one, one or two more, say Italy, Greece. You know, Portugal, I, Spain. I mean, you're talking about houses of cards, there. and um, you know, some people would argue that perhaps Europe has been a house of cards for a long period of time. Now, when back before, I mean, back before all this, but well, well, back before Brexit, well, back before all this, back when we were still about the Maastricht Treaty and the creation of the euro, which obviously is different than the European Union, all that stuff. But I remember thinking that it was going to be difficult for the Europeans to accept a common currency for a long period of time. Yeah. And I laughingly said, "What are the What are the French really going to think when there's a when there's a five euro note with Otto von Bismarck on it? You know, or or what are the um, What are the Germans going to think when there's a Charles de Gaulle uh, five euro note? Now, obviously, they keep weird pictures and birds and whatnot on their currency. That that's not that that's beside the point. But it seems as though understanding European history the way that I do, which my you know, I'm not an expert, but at the same time, we have gone through." an extended period of overall European peace, at least in Western and Central Europe, that has been really very much against the the norm of history over the, sure. over the last 75 years. Well, the idea is when you're trading with a country, you're a lot less likely to want to go to war with them. Well, the thing is, I mean, even before World War II, they were, I mean, Europe trades a lot with one another, yeah. and even in World War One. So I have found this, I mean, whether it's the European Union, whether it's the, the, the single currency, um, union, I have found Europe's ability to deal with one another far better over the last three quarters of a century than it has been for several centuries before that. Now, well, I'd like to think we're also kind of advancing as a society. I think that um, might play one, into it a little bit. One would hope, one would hope, but uh, I'm kind of wondering now, and you know, thinking about European history, I wonder if the Brexit leads to increased nationalism, which I think some people are Sure, I think about. you're already kind of seeing that. Yeah, you're seeing, seeing that with Le Pen and, 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 and France and some others in, in Germany. And it seems like every country has its right-er wing, more nationalistic parties that are becoming more in the fore. Italy has a new government with some of those. Uh, the Greeks did. Uh, the Greeks, yeah. didn't, the Greeks didn't realize. Didn't turn out too well. Yeah, uh, the Greeks didn't realize they were holding nine high. Uh, you know, and they, they got, not even sure. Let's say jack high in their hand, and they, you know, in any event, that that's changed. But um, you get Bre- you get the UK out of the out out of there. You get Brexit. What? What are the UK becomes more nationalistic. You know, the French become more natural nationalistic. The Germans. And so on and so forth. Whether or not this will lead to an eventual dissolution of Europe as a whole, and the, and the concept of we are all Europeans, and start thinking about we are now. We're well, French. do you think they really see themselves as Europeans more so than their country right now, even though they have those trade deals? At least I mean, we have NAFTA. You know, uh, I'm a citizen of the world, Sam. Uh, uh, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm above Are you a North American or are you an American? I, I mean, I am a citizen of the world. I, uh, I, 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 I have trans, transcended 
nationalities. I, 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 abstract borders drawn by man. Uh, in all seriousness, though, I, yeah, obviously, the Germans will view themselves as Germans. The French will view themselves as French. They always have and they always will. The British will view themselves as British. However, if they are at least going through the fiction of saying that we're all European, then that's just one, you know, one more barrier has to break down. Sure. So I'll be curious to see. I think that's the biggest issue with Brexit. I don't think it has really all that much to do with economics or even the free flow of skilled labor throughout the throughout the. No, I don't, I don't see that as much of an issue. I think it's more of an issue 20, 30 years down the road as the attempt to integrate all of Europe gradually erodes. And it'll be interesting to see what then happens to the east with the Russian bear as Europeans quit viewing them. Western Europeans quit viewing themselves as Western Europeans as much, and more as Germans, French, Italians, Spaniards, British as well. And then all of a sudden, it's easier for the Russian bear to flex her muscles a little bit. Interesting that, thought. That is what I think the real concern about Brexit is, as opposed to you know some short-term disruption in trade or listen. Every country wants skilled labor. I mean, British aren't going to keep skilled labor from coming into the city, and the and the Germans aren't going to keep uh, skilled Brits from coming over to. No, uh, I'm country. not worried about that. I just so, like I said, I think it's it just makes the Southern European countries a little more worrisome. Oh, they they're they're worrisome, and I think probably a topic for discussion another time would be the actual weakness of. of Southern Europe, which will ultimately, in my opinion, drive a bigger wedge in European unity and, and the euro than anything that the British can do. No, I agree. I just think it might be deepened a little, widened a little more by them, you know, not really having to care as much anymore. Well, I, I, you know, I wonder, I wonder how much the British have actually really cared. They're kind of forced to pay a little right now, aren't well, they? Well, I, I guess, I guess, you know, it cost David Cameron his drive, I think. So, in any event, here we are. We're near the end of uh, end of today. I'd say we traded perspectives a little bit. I think we traded perspectives a little bit today. Um, Sam is certainly more of the opinion that uh, Brexit is going to have more negative uh, ramifications than perhaps I do. Yeah, more long term. I'm not thinking you know goes through and stuff hits the fan. <laughs> <laughs> crepes hit the fan. Yeah, you, crepes. You, <laughs> waffles, like waffle, waffles, uh, strudels. I think. Yeah. Um, and then haggis. So the haggis hits the fan. I think, uh, which I think is probably a more apt uh, substitute. Uh, I, I am, you know, maybe cavalier about it, but uh, I am not necessarily worried about the near term. I'm not going to say short term, but the near term prospects for economic growth. I think there are other issues at play here that will impact the European economy over the next couple of years more so than what's going on in London or in Brussels. And that's namely maybe some problems in the continental banking system, far more so than than that in the uh, in the Isles, in the, in the British Isles. And that's a topic for another time. But uh, here we are closing today with train perspectives on Brexit. Sam is uh, more worried than I am. Is that fair? Sure. Okay, fair enough. So with that, thanks to everyone for listening today. We always love to hear from our listeners. So if you have any questions or comments, please let us know. As always, please share Trading Perspectives with your friends, neighbors, and loved ones. That is particularly if you like it. If you don't like it, share it with everyone you don't like. Just get out there and share where you've heard us. You can also send us an email to tradingperspectives at oakworthcapital.com. Uh, leave a review of the podcast on the uh, podcast outlet of your choice. If you're interested in hearing more of our thoughts or reading them, better way of putting it, please come by our website, oakworthcapital.com. 
go to the thought leadership section and scroll on down and see a whole bunch of good stuff, including our weekly newsletter, Common Sense. And for that, today, I'm John Norris. Sam Clement. I enjoyed it. It was fun. We'll see you next week. Take care.